HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. It's September 25th, 2012. We've got a great show for you tonight on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger, and he'll tell us about his new place hey, in Vermont. Jimmy. Jen Swerman from Blind Tiger and other many great places. Hey, Jimmy. And uh, Jen brought a special guest in tonight, Bruce Williams from the Williams Brothers in Scotland. So uh, thanks to GreatBrewers.com, our sponsor, and a shout-out to Good Beer Seal. Check it out. Find out about places to get good beer in New York City. All right, here we are. Dave, you've been trumped by Bruce Williams. <laughs> I, I have. So I'll I, hand it over to him. J- Jen... Uh, Said oh, that he's Bruce the was available. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're all hanging. But Bruce is, uh, you know, last time you were on, we talked about things like unique, you know, ingredients in we Scottish about beer. Cast conditioning, too. Heather and Frick and, you know, Frick. all that. So, you know, it's uh, one of our favorite guests. Uh, Jen, take it away. Let's talk about Bruce. Or, you, oh, well, uh, how long have you guys been friends? You, you guys seem to we, we've know each other. We've been friends since he was on the show when we did a little, we did a brief interview, as you recall, Jimmy, when we found out that Bruce was in town and uh, and Alex Hall gave us a heads up and said, you really should have this guy on the show. And we were like, okay. And I had had some of his beer, but I hadn't met him before. And then uh, he came by and we actually did it. We taped a, a, like a short interview just to, I guess, play through the holidays when we were short, you know, we weren't yeah, we had one shows. of our best interviews was with Bruce. Yeah, yeah and it was cut short because we had to get out of here because there was another <laughs> show coming on. So it's great. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, great to be back. Yeah. So it, have changed. I, I didn't know. And it, it seems like we've been friends forever. And and when we met you on the air, um, you really made an impact on us. You made us think a little differently about what beer should be. I think uh, and what it could be. Yeah, you know? I think we've got a fairly unique perspective on things from Scotland, using fairly local ingredients and uh, a heritage of, you know, um, making indigenous beer styles. So we are using unique ingredients. I, I mean, Heather Ale, obviously, that's our principal brand. of Fruich, as you like to say, Jimmy. Fruich. Uh, Fruich. Dave, can you say that? Fruich. 
That's it. Um, which is made with heather flowers um, and bog myrtle. I know that beer's been made for thousands of years in Scotland, and uh, we it's it's really got a real sort of position in the, uh, the heritage beer market in the UK. And now um, we've developed that. We we've got a beer that's made with pine and spruce that was brought to Scotland by the um, Vikings in about the ninth century, which I have a bottle of here for you to try. It's called Alba. Hey, let's pop that. We'll start oh, with that beer. Let you talk a little bit about the beer, and uh, we'll start. Actually, about I want to know: well, is anybody else is anybody else using Heather right now? Is anybody using? Yeah, there are, and we get I get regular um, inquiries on our website from home brewers, particularly and small bar owners that have got brew pubs. They're always interested in doing something special, small batches, and uh, yeah, there are quite a few of the American brewers now using Heather. They, they do tend to use dried Heather flowers. Uh, we're using. One of, the, one of the things people seem to forget about what we're doing is that we're actually harvesting all our own raw materials. So we go out seasonally and we'll pick heather flowers. Now it takes us probably about three weeks to pick a thousand bags of just the, the new flowering tips of the heather. And uh, we have to then store that in frozen facilities to keep uh, it fresh for us to use throughout the year. Now the other beer that we're making, um, for example, that Alba, that's the one that we pick in the, in the, in the springtime. Do you, want, do you want to do the honors with that one? I'll do this. I'm very uh, good at this. I have to say this: we started with the Scottish Session. Uh, it's a gold, it's a golden ale, golden and ale, it's three point nine percent. And I think it's my favorite session beer, <laughs> maybe I've ever had. It's got like a lot true of session, it's got a lot of flavor. It's, it's got a beautiful smooth. aroma. Okay. It's not, you know, it's not overly hoppy. It's just finding a lot of complexity really simply, and it's not using any. Um, adjunct type ingredients, no, no, no extra no. spices or anything no. to sp- to, you know. You know, there's two markets that we produce for. Principally, we would like to make all the esoteric styles that we do and provide only those things. But then again, you know, we're a, a, a considerable player in the in the beer market in Scotland, and we have to provide what you would call commodity products as well. And session beer is uh, a contemporary modern beer. Now, people in the UK drink 20-ounce pints and they drink them all day long, you know, and a session beer is a very popular product over there. I think it's coming, I've seen it starting to appear here now as well. It's got a a presence in the US market too, but mostly when I'm over here, the beers are very strong, you know, they're 5% or over. So it's nice to get a nice light beer, and the challenge as a brewer has always been to try and make that have enough flavour so that it doesn't taste like a Budweiser. And our our local, or you know, our... U.S. craft brewers are really embracing that challenge right now, too. Yeah. It's a big trend, but we're seeing them come along slowly. It's not like everyone is mastering that yet. So We'll see, see something like a, you know, 4.2%. Like Carton has boat beer, which is local. They call it a session beer. That's 4.2%. Right. I think we consider it under 5 is like under, what Yeah, under 5 is a session. Yeah. Is that what they are? That? official qualification for it, isn't it? That's what people say. Yeah. I think it's kind of like, I, I know that if you're in, in the UK, we have camera beer drinkers, and these guys come in, and they're looking for something around 4%. So if you can actually achieve a nice flavoured beer at 39 they're very happy with that. As long as the price point is right. The problem with us selling a session beer in the US is that we're never going to have the, pri- the price point, because it's an import at the same time. But it does, I think it sets a benchmark, and it sets maybe a little bit of a challenge up to the US brewers to say, right, okay, maybe we can do this too with a lot of different things. I mean, and recently I've been doing a lot of these trade shows and the hit of the trade show seems to be this 
Krabby's Ginger, which I wouldn't consider to be part of the craft beer market at all, but, you know, um, people are interested in that. And it's only a matter of time before some good American craft brewers start making good ginger beers as well, and they'll fill that gap very quickly, you know. So it's just basically a little bit of ping-pong we're playing with the styles, you know, which I think is interesting. All right, man. Well, cheers. <laughs> Welcome back, man. Yeah. So, uh, Dave, you're up in Vermont, Worthy Burger. Um, yeah. I'm really impressed with you. Tell you, you, us you, about Worthy yeah, you Burger. Yeah, ke- you keep going. You know, you're, you're up, moved up there. You're supposed to be farming. You weren't really going to be doing too much. I was and, supposed to be semi-retired. Yeah. <laughs> and now you've opened a whole new place. So, so why didn't you talk me out of doing that? You never asked me. And you're a genius I, with all I these things. Have. Startups and figuring out investors. And uh, let, let's take a few minutes and, and, and talk about the nitty-gritty of, of opening a bar up there. Um, it's In some ways, it's easier in Vermont. Um, it's less expensive, so it's a little less stressful. But, you know, the government is, is definitely involved in it, and we had to wait a long time for our waste. Uh, up there, the way they control development is uh, with water, wastewater in particular. And so we went through a long process with that. But uh, but it all worked out, and, and now we're open. We've been open for 31 days, and uh, it's been... Uh, it's been. I hear it's been crazier than you even expected. You had you already had busier. high expectations. So. Definitely busier than we thought it was going to be, which which is always a good thing. But we weren't really uh, we weren't totally ready for that. I and, also uh, heard that you were supposed to have a soft opening, and then instead they printed in the paper that you were opening, so there was no. So such we canceled thing. it. So we, and we really? just opened instead. And, yeah. and so we weren't ready to do so that. So it wasn't either. soft at all. You no, just got I think, I think it's okay to just open. It, and I'm a fan of when you open, yeah. you're open, and that's exactly what happened. And it and it was great, um, and uh, it's just it's so different up there. You know, it's uh, a lot smaller population, so you really need to get the locals coming. If the locals aren't buying it, you're in serious trouble. And um, so far, so good. You know, our price points are good. We, uh, you know, we're doing these uh, wood fired grass fed burgers, and people seem to like them. How much are the How much are you charging for those? Five fifty for our our burger, or for our beef burger. And uh, we also have like a fish burger, a vegetarian burger, and some other things, but in specials. Our chef's great, uh, Jason Merrill. He's uh, it looks like he has, he's having fun he's too. Having fun. I click on your Facebook page. You guys are on Facebook, yeah. and you get to like you end up salivating over these photographs of these burgers. He's, you know, he's a fine dining chef who like is just he loves doing coming up with different things between two buns. You know, it's like he just really enjoys it. And uh, and we love eating. I've had, I think, sixty five burgers in the last thirty one days, and uh, so I'm, I'm becoming an expert. How big are your burgers? A uh, third of a pound. So you can eat more than I could you, probably eat three of those. You know, uh, <laughs> friends of mine, Chad Rich, ate two, and then a full thing of fries, and and he was he was full. <laughs> um, but let's, yeah, let's talk about the important stuff. How about the beer? <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's so funny because I. You know, it is a it's a craft beer and burger bar, and uh, but the burgers are have just taken over. have taken over, and which is so weird to me. And I, I really expected the beer to sort of you know at least equal it, and uh, it's it's really the burgers have been sort of overshadowing the beer. But we've got you know Hill Farmstead and Lawson's Finest, so I'm psyched to come to work. And every you day. always have at least I don't. I mean, I always from- I, I always have. Um, three Hill Farmstead and and uh, Sean's been really good to us. Um, and then Sean Lawson, I, we we've had three total kegs, but we're going to start getting more October fifteenth. We start getting it regularly, um, which will be nice. So, how many draft lines do you have? Fourteen, fourteen beer, and then we make our own sodas. So we have a um, a carbonated seltzer line too. 
So what other beers do you have on besides Lawson's Finest and Hill Farmstead? Um, we've got Zero Gravity uh, from Paul Saylor and Destiny Saxon yeah, up at uh, Burlington Hearth, American Flatbread. So lagers, probably, um, predominantly? Actually, no. I mean, uh, we've done Saison, Triple. Uh, They're all a, good. A but, Dark Mild. Yeah. They do a lot of ABV beers, a lot of um, 3 and 4%. Beers that that uh, people really seem to like. We've been selling a lot of them. Bobcat, which is from uh, sure. Bristol, Vermont, and uh, a lot of Vermont beers. And but then we also have a lot of like California stuff, and you know, a little Green Flash here and there. And yeah, spruce it up. Yeah. Well, let's go back to Bruce. Now, now we've we've like lo- set our little location up there in Vermont. And what town is it in? It's in South Royalton. South Royalton, Vermont. T- and I will say this: like Scotland is, uh, it's one of the only countries on the planet that I've been to uh, more than once. Uh, I've been there three times, and and the two places, Vermont and and uh, and Scotland. I mean, Scotland's my favorite probably country outside of the U.S. Never having visited Vermont. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. there's a lot of similarities. But anyway, go ahead. Well, then, Bruce, you know, you're you're trying to find good places that where your casks can be served because ultimately, as William Brothers, it's a cask specialist, right? Yeah, up until a couple of years ago, uh, most of our um, draft beer was cask conditioned. In fact, 70 80% of it was. But we are starting to see uh, a market for the keg beer product now. Now, we've put in new facilities, sterile filtration, down to 0.45 micron, all the rest of it. Basically, in order to guarantee quality and consistency on our product. And now we're much happier about releasing keg products out. And, and especially when you're putting them into Europe. You know, that when they're a long way away, you know, we've had problems with products going to Greece or you know, into 30-degree temperatures that our beers can't handle. And you're quite, a, you're quite a stickler for how the casks are handled yeah. all along. I mean, I was, I was fascinated. That's, that's what I really walked away with. I knew about your Heritage Series and was a fan of all that when I met you, but um, hearing you talk about cask conditioning, I was like, wow, there are a lot of brewers around the world who could learn, who are trying, trying this out, trying to prepare Firkins, and uh, could learn a lot from uh, what you know. I think, yeah, cast conditioning is a, a market on its own. It's a whole way of thinking. And um, do you ever get to that point where you get fed up banging your head against a brick wall? And uh, when I was bringing cast conditioned beer over here initially, there was an awful lot of it going to waste because it wasn't being handled properly. And it was all to do with education. People didn't know about how to handle it. They weren't, they didn't, you know, they were just assuming an awful lot of things about this live beer and it didn't work out. So I lost money on it. I shot myself in the foot a few times in it, but I'm not giving up on cast conditioned beer. I'm just going to be very refined about who gets that product. I don't want it to go out into the marketplace where I know that this settlement ship isn't capable of handling the product. And, and also that the route to market, i.e. the distribution, distribution network have got to have refrigeration on the way to the point of sale and that wasn't happening either that was what was causing problems with our product uh, i'm not much more confident about that shipping over keg beer and that's what we're doing actually in the next couple of weeks we're going to launch um Fruch on draft in um uh, times square at the st andrews bar so that'll be the first place that will have it on draft and we'll we're going to test it out there let it settle in and see how it works out um, we are going to continue with the cask condition beers but the cask condition beers will only be available from november through to february and that'll be it you know i just can't take a risk outside of that because you you, you can't guarantee route to market that's the problem all right hey we'll take a short break here we're back in a few minutes on beer sessions radio thank you
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, it's quite a show we have tonight. Um, Bruce Williams is talking about cask beers. Dave Broderick from Worthy Burger in Vermont. Jen Swartman from Blind Tiger. Uh, before we get into that, I'll just make a quick announcement. Um, you can check out Cast Beers uh, coming soon to Francis Tavern, one of the oldest taverns in New York. Our good friend Alex Hall, who's been a Cast Crusader for many years. What's the name of his, his site? It's a uh, Gotham and Byber, right? Yep. He That's had a it. great newsletter forever, and now it's it's a site. He's getting back into the scene. He 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 never left, but he's 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 uh, he's out there trying to make a difference with Cask. And um, he's got a system set up at Francis Tavern, which is a big step. And uh, the the brewery that he's involved in, Wandering Star, will, will be the, the beer on cask. And they should be up sometime soon, hopefully within the next week. And Alex Hall called me personally. He wanted me to make that announcement. And also, uh, our friends from the Village Voice, the Brooklyn Poor, it's their second year. It's pretty good. It's, 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 it's a large beer fest. It's Saturday, October 6th. And uh, it's in it's in Brooklyn, and if you would like to win two tickets to the early session one to four, uh, you can uh, to enter. You can join the discussion on Twitter by tweeting your shower beer tips at beer underscore sessions hashtag shower beer tips. Later on, we'll have a guest, uh, Mr. Mike Edison, who will talk about drinking beer in the shower. So uh, again, uh, Twitter us at beer underscore sessions hashtag shower beer tips, and you can win a tick two tickets to the uh, Brooklyn Poor. All right, so. Bruce, what were you guys talking about? I don't, I don't want to miss everything. You know, it, it's we're on the air and in between. You know, I'm still thinking about segments. drinking beer in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> drinking beer in the shower. Mike Edison will be that on soon. Stunted me for a second. I know that <laughs> old friends. Uh, we, we met Bruce Williams a little over a year ago, and and, and Jen and I, I swear to God, we thought we've known him forever. And it turns out uh, he's a, it's a radio buddy. <laughs> and uh, but what I wanted to say was, how are you going to get you? You have your cast that you really care about. And uh, I think there was a wave a few years ago. Everybody was doing cask, and I think that people have stepped and back and realized every style into a yeah. Cask. And if, if mean, it's it's got to be done right, yeah. and I feel like that you're ready to lead the new revolution. But what would it take? We can talk between Dave and Bruce to get your cask up to a Worthy Burger in uh, Vermont. Now, first of all, do you ship to Vermont? Well, first of all, do you have casks, Dave? Um, actually, uh, we don't have hand pumps, but I am doing. I am going to do gravity pins, right? Um, and I have no problem with doing gravity pins whatsoever, as long as that pin is refrigerated somewhere. Right. All, all, yeah, exactly. Because when it, you bring it out of a cold box and stick it on a bar, yeah. you're expecting a cask conditioning process to go at the speed of light, and it right. doesn't. You know? no. no, exactly. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to be... We do it now with the Tiger. We don't do it all the time, but we do it. Yeah, we do. Well, we as, always as have much a gravity. As, we, as much as we can, yeah. It's, we always yeah. have at least one gravity. We had two last weekend, and we, we got really? two handfuls. So we usually See, have three. This is what happens when I'm in Vermont. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't been reading the board when you're. Oh, you haven't been in town. I've been That's in town. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, See the casks that you've got on in the Blind Tiger. Are they refrigerated? Uh, the ones on uh, hand, the hand pump. Yeah. Are refrigerated right. du- for the duration in at, a separate, a, at, a, yeah. at a in a separate cooler, not separate the regular um, you know well, keg tap right. cooler. Yeah. And then the gravity, like you're saying, goes from a cold box at night yep. to sitting on the bar all day, and it's right. not, it's it not ideal. ideal. It comes up yeah. at five, you know, and so yeah. I mean, you know, I I, I would like to know it like suffers. Yeah, I would think so. It does. I mean, well, you know, Bruce, what would be the ideal then? I mean. I'm not a fan of, of. I feel like a lot of people have experimented, and and uh, people talk about putting the CO2 b- 
you know, on top of, of, of the and beer. Again, like, I don't have any don't, issues with like um, putting on, on inert gas to dispense them with. You don't have a problem with that. breathers are fine. Um, the, the thing is that the, the, the process of the secondary fermentation is limited by the, the temperature that it's at. And if you're going to just keep dropping and raising the temperature, you're actually distressing the beer. You're not getting the best flavor out of that beer at all. Well, so I would prefer, if, if, if possible, that when you brought these casks out and put them on the bar, that they had a, a refrigerated jacket on them. Right. That's, gonna, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, if that yeah. does work. It does work. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it, as long as it maintains the temperature of the beer within that, then it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. This, uh, I'm pouring out a bottle of Kelpie here now, which is uh, okay. one of our beers that we make with seaweed. And uh, again, it's kind of like... Now, one thing to mention about, before we get to the Kelpie, the Alba that we just drank... I don't know if we said it. It has no hops in it. No, you're any using hops. yeah. So so the the spruce is it spruce spruce and pine spruce and pine yeah. are used in lieu of hops and they balance malt. It was really nice, super I effectively. Like it's a beautiful yeah. beer. Absolutely and no hops. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if if for some reason someone had a problem with hops, that's one beer that they can they might be able to find. You can and, find it in bottles. And the same with the he- uh, the heather ale as well. I mean. I know that if somebody reads the Heather Ale label, it says the word hops on it, but we put like literally one handful of hops into a 50-barrel batch. The reason for that is to stop it being qualified as a malt liquor in the U.S. marketplace. Because uh, there's a legislation here about if it doesn't contain hops, it's there So the Alba is, is a malt liquor? No, you look at, if you look at the Alba label, it says hops. Right? Oh, I see. But it's like literally that. Oh, really? One okay. handful into an entire batch. So you're not lying. We're not lying. Yeah. Wow, so if you don't put hops in, it's a malt liquor, not yeah. a beer. That's right. You've got the. Uh, that is weird. Your, your, your government are protecting you from this sort of thing. They don't so like that is it. the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a little. Let's go back to cast because, like, it was a you know five six years ago. People like Alex Hall. There were cast fests around town. DBA had cast fests. People were putting in systems. They had you know separate refrigerations and CO two. Blah blah blah. Thing is, no one from the old world has ever told me how to how to bring in a cask and treat it properly. Because I take it, I keep it in the in the in the walk in, and when we serve it, we do the same. We put it on the bar. We do a gravity pour, yeah. and we also try to go through it in one night, so we don't feel like there's a lot of variation. Yeah, but you're bringing it from a 40-degree box in that situation, generally speaking, aren't you? Right? Well, uh, I mean, in most cases. And you, I think, Bruce, you should start with the fact that when you brew batches of beer, they are specifically for cask, yeah. and they're not fully attenuated. Because right. you're playing a game. Mm-hmm. This is one of the, the greatest things that I learned was that, you know, he doesn't fully attenuate the beer on purpose because you've got this active fermentation going on in that vessel. So it means that then you've got to ride it, you've got to know what temperature it's being kept at through that process and that the process is going to take place at a certain temperature over a certain period of time so that it's attenuated correct to the right point by the time you're actually serving it. And that's like, it's like, try to figure it's a that wind, out. It's a window, right? And it's a window right. of defined opportunities, which are the fact that you have to maintain this temperature. You know what your attenuation potential is within that beer. And it's only going to last for that length of time. Now, lower gravity beers, generally speaking, I would say one day per ABV, right, is all you can dispense at a cast-conditioned beer. And, and only if you maintain the temperature at 10 degrees centigrade right so if you can do if you can qualify those two conditions then the beer will be fine but after five days it's attenuated out it's going to be dry the condition will start coming out of it and it's just going to go sour almost you know it'll just be over attenuated it'll be very dry there'll be no residual sugar balance in it at all 
and that's it you've just got that potential but then some bars will then say all right oh it's still on it's still okay and they'll sell it five day five day six and they're just killing the brand by doing that and, the, right. and also, you know, the, the and they're also killing the whole concept um, of yeah, cast, cast yeah. conditioning, which yeah. we've all worked so hard to get people on board with, so that we do sell enough that it is productive to like put put in these systems, and then actually, but you have to sell through it fast enough, or somebody gets adventurous enough they've never had cast condition, they may have heard of it, they're like I'm going to try that tonight, and they're at a bar, and they and we serve them one, and then. It's not right. And they probably, if that's their first experience and there's nobody to really educate them on the side, yeah. they probably will draw the conclusion, well, I guess maybe I don't like cast-conditioned beer. And they may shelve that whole idea for a while until they're adventurous enough again to try it. Right. So and that ends good. up being counterproductive. Unless they're in a the situation or the fortunate position where they've got a bar who knows exactly what they're doing. Like DBA, Alex Hall is looking after their beer. He's doing a great job of that, you know, and he's putting it in prime condition and he's not letting any beer get to day five or day six. If it's not right by then, he just takes it off. He doesn't have to do that because the beers are turning over and it's a catch-22. You just have to invest in that market. Well, Jen, you're right. I, I too, felt that for a few years ago when people were doing cask, breweries were just pouring whatever their popular style was. Double IPAs and imperial stouts. I mean, crazy styles crazy of Crazy Belgian stuff in yeah, a cask. Yeah, that should never been in It a happens cask. now. It's still happening. And and every once in a while it works. It's some wacky thing. Just like a lot of, you know, creative things that come out of American craft brewing and brewing all over the world now. But there are certain styles that are a little more traditionally, you know, like presented in this way. And a lot of times those are the ones that I find really work even when they're you know american twists on those styles they still like they present well and the hardier a beer is like you know some of your 10 percenters um that are being presented as a cask condition product they will they, they they'll can, hold they, up they'll hold up yeah because they've got that you know alcohol um in there and they've got a lot of potential sugar to go in them because they you know they've got 10 days to go generally speaking so they, they'll hold up a lot better but I'd actually prefer to drink those on day five or six, not on day one, two, and three, because, you know, they actually mature and become they better They definitely products. get better. Yeah. Bruce, what, what are some American breweries that, that you like who are making a, a cask-style cask ale that you would approve of? We talked about well, Wandering Star. Well, we talked about Wandering Star. Yeah, yeah they, are, they, they are doing a great job. But they're doing a British-style beer, really, and, and, and they are good at that. And, and I suppose cask conditioning is a, a British idea concept whatever it just became because of the the conditions in britain are that the average temperature is probably 10 degrees centigrade you know? i was gonna say it's like per, it's like a cellar <laughs> yeah so yeah it's typically from there um <clears throat> i don't know in the i had some uh oliver's beer which i thought were great down from baltimore hmm. right they're, they're nice they're, again english style steve jones makes those ones i, I haven't heard of that have you guys I know, oliver's I yeah Really nice, um, and uh, occasionally I've come across, a, you know, occasional uh, just a strange thing where somebody's obviously sent off a firkin to a brewery and had it filled, and it'll victory or whatever, it'll come back, and, and they're good. And other times, not so good. And I don't really want to start listing names here either. <laughs> That's uh, put me on the spot. But no, you, keeping it positive, you don't so have you, to list. You know, you don't want your shit right. list. So Oliver's in Maryland and Wandering Star from Massachusetts. Yeah, definitely worth a shot. Yeah. All right. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we get is from American breweries because it's it, you know we don't want it to travel too far, and uh, and so it is higher in ABV. You know, it's not what cast condition was probably originally intended to be. You know, the stuff that we're pouring 
um, I mean, here in New York. We've had some tremendous kegs of some of our favorite American-style IPAs presented in a cask, and it's not traditional at all, no. and yet they're really successful, especially yeah. when they're really fresh, but that's the nature of IPA. And it's interesting to think, like we're talking about 10% ABV beer on in a firkin has a little bit longer you know, dispensing time, dispensing window, and day five is about right. I'm like, wow, it's almost like an accelerated aging process because the, you know, we, those are the beers where in bottle you have a greater chance of sitting on it for a period of time and it still has, you know, it comes together, it melds yeah. into something. And I think, so, you know, one of the great things about it, you know, the bubbles are so much smaller. You can really very taste. Very fine condition. Yeah, yeah you can beautiful. really taste yeah. the nuances of the beer. When it's a cask, even if it's, you yeah. know, it's for an better American or for style. worse, sometimes. Well, exactly. You know. But you really, you know, it doesn't just float across your tongue on CO2. No. It really, you get a lot of stuff that you so don't Everything get. has to be there. It's like, it has to be the beer, it has to be the system, it has to be the place that's serving it, you know. Yeah. All yeah. has to fall into place. It's a very difficult thing to just be a total scientist about because you can't. It's a, there's an art involved in it as well, and it's just getting that right moment, you know, for the right beer. All right. Hey, um, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. We've got Mr. Mike Edison coming on. He's going to drink beer in the shower with us. All right. On Beer Sessions Radio. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We've got Dave Roderick from Blind Tiger and Worthy Burger. Dave, where should I eat today? <laughs> today? Yeah. Well, I, I think we've got to go over to Swine tonight and uh, pay a little visit to John McNulty. Check out his new place. So where is Swine? So it was your old general manager at Blind Tiger. Yeah, and a bunch of other places, too. He's over at, um, he's on Hudson Street. I think it's... It's uh, Hudson and Charles, I think. Charles, yeah. right, exactly. And uh, I'm dying to see it. I've heard he's actually got one of the best burgers on the planet. Um, he does like Let's some great mix. Let's see what you think after I, Well, after eating so many. Yeah, now you're course, an expert. I have the best 550 burger. He's probably got the best like $18 burger. Well, so. I will say there's something great about uh, great places like Blind Tiger. You, you spawn a lot of people. You've got these great partnerships, you know, uh, I don't know, Spring Lounge and The Gate and now Worthy Burger. Yeah, um, I really respect you, Dave, and, and it's so great to have you on. Thanks, man. All right, and uh, with, with Bruce Williams and Jen Swerman, we got an author who's uh, done a lot of things. 
What's up, his Jimmy? name's Mr. Mike Edison. He's got, he's one of the hosts of uh, Heritage Radio Network show, the Mike and Judy show on Sundays. It's it's a great pleasure to have you on. It's awesome being a, a guest and not a host for a You're an <laughs> author, a musician, and uh, tell us about your new book because that's what you're plugging. <laughs> that's what I'm plugging. Um, and also, we're going to talk about drinking beer in the shower, which is just a lifestyle philosophy. Um, but my new book is Bye Bye Miss American Pie. It's a very naughty political satire. It's about a campaign, a presidential campaign. Uh, gone awry and what do you know we're right in the middle of one right now what are the odds right um the story is bye bye miss american pie is about a very sexy female senator who's running for president who gets caught having sex with her very hot and very illegal pool boy right and she gets caught in bed with the cabana boy and is supposed to go on tv to apologize uh, as so many politicians before her have done but she has another idea she goes on tv and she says you know what i got mine america now get yours you know you want it and <laughs> she quickly becomes the most popular woman in, in america at night everyone gets laid she rekindles a new se- uh, sexual revolution in america and her conservative opponent has to um play catch up and the campaign becomes hypersexualized to the point where they're making porn films in lieu of campaign commercials and hilarity ensues and that that stri- i didn't know about this new book but um it strikes me as great because i i believe it was your last book dirty was dirty, dirty, dirty 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 which was you know a history of porn in in the u.s yeah, well, primarily I'm a, I'm a journalist and a social critic or historian, so this is kind of new for me. I haven't written any fiction since I used to write penthouse letters back in the day. Yes, Jimmy, they're fiction. Sorry to shatter that myth. <laughs> you should see the look on this guy's face. He's like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like that. So you used to work. Jimmy knew that. Tell us, you worked for High Times. I was the uh, editor and publisher of High Times Magazine for a while. He wrote and, for Hustler. And, uh, Hustler and uh, Penthouse, and I was the editor-in-chief of Screw Magazine. In fact, Bye Bye Miss American Pie is sort of an extension of, uh, I think, what our best work was at Screw. And in fact, it's dedicated to Al Goldstein, my old friend and mentor, um, who's not in the best shape now. He's out in the... People always yeah. ask me, how's Al? So we can't, we can't go too deep with this, because it's just a craft beer show. But let's, let's well, we're gonna, well, you know, we got, that's your intro, but let's just take a step to the side. First of all, what is it about drinking beer in the shower and why is that so important to you? It, it's very important. It's a very important lifestyle component, but let me throw you my bona fides because before I was running a pot magazine, I was an editor at Beverage World and Beverage World International, the trade magazine. I was a trade journalist uh, covering international beer markets and especially Latin American beer markets. It was, I was just a journalist and it was a job I kind of fell into, but what a great job, right? Um, you know, if I had to work a straight job, hey, Mike, you want to go to Dublin and do a story on Guinness? Yeah, you bet. You want to go to Amsterdam and talk to the folks at Amstel and Heineken? Yeah, why not? Yeah, and, we, and we've had the current editor of Beverage World on a few times, Jeff Cialetti, who's a pretty cool guy. That was, it was a great job, you know? I mean, you know, trade journalism, you could be writing about floor covering and wing nuts, but I got all them bubbles. It was really all right. So, you know, the, the drinking beer in the shower thing, you know, it was really like one of those uh, you've got chocolate in my peanut butter moments. Uh, I was just coming home on a hot summer day, and I really wanted to take a shower, and I really wanted a cold beer. I decided to combine them both, and I had what is genuinely referred to as a eureka moment. <laughs> and it just became, became a thing. Hot shower, cold beer. It's so what do you, in the shower, do you, do, you, do you use a bottle, a glass, no, no, a can? No, 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 no bottles, no bottles. Safety first, Jimmy. You Plastic only, only. You, cans. I'm, I'm with cans. <laughs> you know, I, I know some of you beer snobs out there don't drink beer in cans, but I'm very much a Budweiser and cans guy when it comes to the shower. And it's got to be rocking cold, like rocking cold. Um, and, you know, there are many beer in the shower opportunities. You know, Jimmy, I conservatively estimate between 2000 and 2010, I drank 500 cases of beer in the shower. 
It's okay. a lot. He's, Sounds good. Okay, but I'm not, I'm at, least, at least we know he's clean. But that's, yeah. <laughs> but you know, really, it's only it's based only on two beers in the shower a week. It's a very conservative estimate. But over you know two times fifty times ten, it you know adds up pretty quick. But seriously, on dry land, I drank. All right, so uh, you know, beer in the shower. Okay, Bruce Williams, because you're Scottish, you're from a different culture. You guys do things differently. All right, come up. But where, where else? Where else have you ever drinking beers in weird places? Let's go to that. At a, at a beach. <laughs> this is like the newlywed game. What's the weirdest place you've ever drank a beer? Yeah. <laughs> Around a fireplace, um, picking air, that's probably fine, and that's the most. You know, that's nice not beer. weird. Oh, it's not weird, but it's on top of And the shower's not weird. That's sexy and beautiful. Listen, you, you got to try it. And Jen, we're, you got to emotioning in. I drink beer anywhere I want because you take a to go coffee cup and put a lid on it, and nobody ever questions what's in your coffee cup. Do you drink beer in the shower, Jen? I have never done that. Well, try. Come. I know it's interesting. <laughs> Five forty-five. It's not the My first time somebody suggested something, and I went, I, I can't see well, why not. First of all, it is the greatest hangover cure in the world. It's the only thing that works truly. If you can get into that shower, hot shower, and gag back that beer, you feel fantastic. I mean, I mean, for realsies. Um, sometimes I like the three shower, three beer day, which is sort of like an August day. You know, wake up, have a beer in the shower, not because I'm hungover, just because it's a nice day and I feel like getting the day started right for all you morning beer drinkers. <laughs> you know, and then do my stuff and I come back and it's lunchtime or, or, or it's the end of the day, it's dinner time, and I want to change, you know, before going out to dinner and take a shower. So do you only drink beer in the shower? I, well, it's the only thing I drink. It's in the efficient. Shower. <laughs> it's really efficient too. I, I'm thinking shower, uh, beer shower at BCTC would probably be really, really good. Oh, not in those showers. I don't want to have a beer. Yeah, I don't want to have a beer before. anywhere <laughs> near those showers. Actually, that's the only shower I had. That you know which beer and shower I love. I love the beer in the shower when I'm getting showered and dressed to go out on a date or something. And I figure, why should the, when I get to the bar, why should that be my first drink? So, you know, just trying to... Well, there's something to say about, you know... Get one in me while I'm soaping up. Social lubricant and get you warmed up. Shower lubricant. Now we'll take... Of course, we have to talk about beer. Bruce, what beer did you just pour for us? Because we've got Williams Brothers pouring beers all night for us. This is a Midnight Sun, which is um, a winter beer. It's a porter style. So instead of uh, just making it as a, a normal kind of porter, we've spiced it up with a little bit of ginger to give it a... And it's good, really nice on a cold winter's night to sit and drink a, a beer that's actually got a little bit of ginger in it. And, with a cold uh, shower. In a cold shower. Actually, you know, aye, maybe in a, in a hot bath. Well, you can imagine people drinking, you know, in a hot bath. I can see this beer. This is a sauna beer. I can this see this a beer in a hot bath. This would be fun. Sauna beer is good. Sauna yeah. beer. Yeah. Now we're moving I on. like the that's sauna beer. <laughs> Dave has a sauna. I, I have a wood-fired sauna yeah. in Vermont, and there's plenty of drinking going on when that's happening. So, so one thing you, you missed, um, Mike, Mr. Mike Edison, uh, that in Scotland they use unusual, well, not untraditional ingredients for us, but traditional ingredients for them in their beer. So they use heather, they use ginger. Um, is, is, this tr- is, is ginger traditional? Um, oh, no. For you guys, or Ginger did you just from the uh, New World, and it came to Scotland, and it's very popular in Scotland. I mean, it just became. We have got quite a sweet tooth, and it's one of the biggest spices that was imported into Scotland. It's not indigenous to Scotland, of course, but um, pine and spruce is. So is the seaweed. Um, so is the, the the oats that we use in that particular porter as well. It's a roasted oat that we use in it as well. So as much as much. Our philosophy is to try and use as much local ingredients as we can. However, you know, we also want to play with a palette of different flavors that excite us too, you know. Well, I like this. I, I, I um, just Midnight Sun with a little bit of ginger. And is that sold in New York? Yeah, sold like that. And we also will have it available uh, as cask conditioned over the winter period for the three-month window that you can have cask Scottish beers here. 
Wow. And uh, any places you think will carry your casks this winter? The cask cask beers will only be like I think the ginger man. We're not only going to put some casking in in there. We're going to try and get it into uh, DBA definitely, um, and they've got two or three locations. But in draft, it'll be available in the St Andrews Bar and Highlander Bar. I think I'd like to get a cask in the shower. Cask in the shower. Yeah, I've already tried to retrofit it for a kegerator, and that wasn't happening. Maybe I need to go with the cask. You, you should do a video, Mike. <laughs> I, I bet you could have a cask in the shower, and you know. But you no, know, talking about high times and the other. Have you been to San Francisco? Oh yes, I have. Well, Jen was just in San Francisco, and uh, she was at. Uh, the Tornado's anniversary, and, and yeah, she's going to tell us about the celebrated. beer she had, and maybe you have some. Um, well, it wasn't comments. It, it about wasn't just about the beer; it was about a bunch of incredible people gathering from all over the country. I had no idea how many people were going to travel to celebrate the Tornado's 25th anniversary. I mean, I, I should have had some idea because they, you know, Dave David Keene was really one of the pioneers, and he's beloved. But. um a bun- there was an incredible draft list. There was sort of there were multiple parties. There was a, a trip on a bus up to Russian River where they celebrated him and and David's favorite band from uh, Ohio is American Dog. It's like a rock band. So they played twice. They played at the at Russian River and then they played at another bar after the big Toronado party. But um, at the Toronado, they had a line. Down the block. I had never seen one of these big events at the Tornado. They do a, um, a very famous barley wine festival every year. I think it's sometime in the spring. There's also a strong ale uh, festival. And I just never happened to be in town to see this, although I've heard. And so I actually saw one of these events. And yeah, people fill the place and they have to open up the second room and it's just so it's so fun and they hand you a, they hand you a sheet at the door and they say you have to order by number it's just the, you know like they, they give you instructions how you're going to get through this because it's hard to get a beer though their staff works their tails off and the beer was uh worth waiting for too because so many different breweries especially breweries in the west uh brewed beer specifically for them and it's really like it was really nice to see such a tribute and my favorite of course was the russian river i just drank i drank great sours the whole darn time and i was like wow, high five yep. jen i know you drink them while you can it's and hard jen, to stop uh you brought a magazine so you you, you published an article in a oh magazine. yeah i um, my friend Megan Flynn has a has a magazine in the West called Beer West. She's in Portland, and she asked me to write a little uh, personal story uh, for one of. It's just a one page thing, and it's in the current Beer West. So. It's, a, it's in the meat issue, which I. It's love. in the meat. Yeah, it was. I was like, that's appropriate. I get it in the mail because we don't get it in New York. So I had to wait until she sent me a copy, and I opened it up, and I went, "Well, that that works." Beer yeah, por- it's beer porn. Yeah. So, but it's actually a, it was a nice little story I wrote about my dad and me reaching my epiphany, realizing that I actually am in the family business of teaching after all, and what I teach happens are, to be beer. You're brilliant and uh, you're well respected in, in many countries. You know, <laughs> in many countries. you have friends from Scotland, Belgium, you know, and, yeah. and beyond in the U.S. I get around. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you something cool that's coming up, and you guys are all welcome to join us. M- Mike Edison and I will be co-hosting an election night live show from wow. eight to eleven p.m. Eight at to eleven. Eight, eight to when there's a decision. The Jimmy, Heritage Radio Network. Which means eight April. The way things are so going. Forget CNN and all that. If you want to tune in for live coverage, listen to Heritage I'm Radio Network. I'm going to listen to you guys on that's November sixth. Yeah. Some kind of crazy Mike. What are you going to program? Here. I'm 
programming. We're going to do a, a thing from East Coast to West, and every one of the swing states, we're going to talk to brewers and some. So is cool this like people. a beer porn kind of point of view? Like this is the, uh, the Heritage Clubhouse, Honor Among Thieves, <laughs> right? And uh, probably a good time to pitch, uh, plug my my book one more time before we go off. Right, bye bye, Miss American Pie. I'd like everybody to find me at mikeedison.com where you can find the book easily. There's an electronic version, ebook for everybody, and also a very limited uh, handbound. Uh, print edition with hand silkscreen covers. It's really kind of nice and old school. And what's your Twitter model? And speaking of San Francisco, it's like real City Lights kind of vibe. That's what we went with this for my subversive uh, political... Uh, <laughs> you are awesome. I'm a big fan of, of uh, at Mr. Mike Edison. Check out the Mike and Judy show on Sundays at Heritage Radio. Network. What time is your show We're on? 2 p.m. every Sunday. But just you can you can get any time on iTunes or uh, down you know right here on Heritage click Radio. Click on the archives. Uh, net. Yeah. Awesome, Jimmy. Thanks for having me around. No, you're great, man. And election night, November 6th, tune in live at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Who knows who will be on the show, but I think we're going to we're gonna be able to call the election you know, live. The, the Clintons were here just the other day, right? Yeah, at Roberta's. And I, Bill I told, Clinton was right I outside. Told Hillary time and time again, Sunday, 2 p.m., Mike and Judy, but, but no. <laughs> They did Friday, right, or Thursday. <laughs> so I've still got all these questions left over I was going to ask the Secretary of State. So, guys, come over to my house. We can talk about Libya and drink beer in the shower. <laughs> You're good. Listen, <laughs> November 6th, election night. Turn off CNN. Turn on HeritageRadioNetwork.org for uh, Mr. Mike Edison and uh, at Beer Underscore Sessions. Or you get the picture from the TV and you turn down the volume like people who listen, listen to, to games guys. that way and yeah, listen to the radio. Like yeah, there you go. All right. Yeah, it'll be, you know, Heritage Radio will be out of sync like the way it sometimes is when you watch sports with exactly, radio. A few yeah. seconds with Heritage Radio. Yeah. The, the winner will be announced and we'll be still talking you know, about the votes coming in in California. <laughs> Hopefully that'll make a difference, but, but maybe not hopefully. I don't know. We don't want to get too much into politics, but we got a lot going on. And, uh, this election is going to be make huge, a man. To me, I do believe this has got to vote, and you change minds one at a time. Seriously, I think you know trying to change that, ten thousand minds at once, it, it doesn't happen. People are listening to the, you know, singing to the choir. you got to change minds one at a time. And you can start with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's toast to that. We'll toast to uh, our good friend. Mike's mom. Again, Bruce Williams from uh, Williams Brothers in Scotland. All right. Cheers, guys. Bruce, just give us a few more uh, words in your wonderful accent. Uh, well, it's not that. It's about like what beers next, guys. Like, I've provided five beers for this show, and uh, you know, you're know you pretty poor at well, Let's go. What's the last one before we sign yeah. off? That was the last one, actually. Oops. Was it? Wasn't it? You just Ouch! Drank it the out. Midnight Sun. Yeah, the Midnight Sun. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, the next, uh, we have a whole range of them, obviously, and they're not all here. We started doing uh, collaboration work in in Scotland now, so we're, instead of collaborating with other breweries, we're collaborating with distilleries. So um, I was fortunate enough to just to, to collaborate with um, Ockintoshan Distillery, which is the one that we've got currently in cask. It's a wood aged heather ale, and the next one we're doing is with Bowmore, which is from Isla. And uh, then we're actually um, taking a load from Glengarry, which used to be used as bourbon casks. So we're trying to cover all the bases with different flavours and all the rest of it. So collaborating with our beer and different distilleries. I think that's something that's a season that we can continue with. But, you know, you're talking about collaborative beers earlier on today. Yeah, we're going to go out. So we'll give a little roundup of Good Beer Seal Bars. After the show ends and we have our dinner at Roberta's, we're going to head over to uh, Spite and Dive, our friend Joe Carroll. is doing a special collaborative beer night. He's got some very cool, like, McKellar, Evil Twin, you know, Stillwater beers that uh, we all want to try. Actually, we're talking about doing a collaboration with Stillwater, um, which is going to be a... A Scottish Croft Saison, so we're going to be using gooseberries in it, which is one of our beers made with, with gooseberries, Groset, elderflowers, bog myrtle, and then going to use Brian's yeast as a Saison yeast in it to really and dry it. Would out. you make the beer here in the States? 
We're going to make it this, this first batch. Scotland. We're doing it in Scotland. Yeah. Right. Um, so is, when's that going to be? Uh, we're going to be brewing it in December, mm. um, and it won't be available probably over here until I don't know February, March, depending on how quickly the authorities. Jimmy, man, we should go over for that. <laughs> I'd love to go. Man. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Oh. And what's going on, uh, Blind Tiger? Anything coming? We got uh, Bill Kovaleski in the house tomorrow from Victory. And uh, doing a big victory event. And your very special night. Your Monday nights is pretty cool now, too, isn't it? Yeah, we've been doing VSK Mondays, very special keg Mondays. And, and uh, this past one was uh, Sean Hill, uh, the Holger Dansk, which is his uh, fall smoked beer that he does with Anders Kissmeyer. I can't believe I missed it. It's still I did on. not get the... Oh, really? It's, That's where I'm little, going. There's just a little bit left. You guys go wherever... No, I like Spite and Dival, but I think I should have read over and drink that it's beer. So it's one good. of my favorites oh. he does. Once a year. What is it? All right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a smoked brown ale. Sweet. And also, uh, we've got the Village Voice Brooklyn Poor event Saturday, October 6th. And our friends in Staten Island are getting ready for the Richmond County Craft Beer Festival at Kilmeyer's Old Bavarian Ale on October 7th. Uh, check out goodbrazil.com for more information. And again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, greatbrewers.com. You guys are awesome. Thank you again. Check out Beer Cloud. Take the Great Brewers Test 100 or 20. And Beer Sessions Radio is supported by the Good Beer Seal. You can find us on Facebook, Beer Sessions Radio, on the Heritage Radio Network. And you can follow us on Twitter at beer underscore sessions. Thanks to Dave, Jen, Mike, and Bruce Williams for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Why do I say that so much? Bruce Williams, it sounds like the, a friend that you should have met. At least you're not trying oh, you to say Frauk. Bruce Williams, and uh, here you go. And I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee, Brio Connor, engineer Joe Galarraga. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.